Um, it's great being here this morning. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is Wesley. I'm the campus director of Every Nation Chwane, but I'm also part of the eldership team here at Willows. Now, you might not see me that often because mostly I'm here in the evenings, but it's really just uh, great seeing you and being here this early morning um, with you all. Um, so we are currently in the series called Walk the Talk. Who's been challenged so far just by what not ultimately what the preachers have been saying, but what Jesus actually comes and models to us, right? This is what the whole series is about. It's to evaluate, am I living a life that I am proclaiming? That's the whole purpose of the series. Am I living a life that I'm proclaiming, or am I falling in that category of hypocrite? I don't know about you, but I think that's the worst thing anyone could ever call me, is a hypocrite. I think that's almost, we should see that as the church, almost as the swear word. Oh, you're just a hypocrite. You say one thing and you live something different. And that's why the series is just almost like a mirror to say, well, if we claim to be in Jesus, we should live like him. Don't know about you, but that's a high standard, right? That's a high standard. And therefore, I'm thankful for almost exactly what we just said, for his mercy and his faithfulness. That proceeds in our lives. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us and equip us to become more like Christ. Mark 1, Mark 1 verse 17 says that Jesus speaks to his, well, almost disciples. This is their entrance into their discipleship journey. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Friends, now if we want to walk the talk, if we want to live out what we proclaim, if Jesus went out to people and called them to follow himself, these people that didn't know anything about him, called them to be together and follow friends, you and I should walk in that same lifestyle. Two weeks ago, we looked at what does it mean in following Jesus, and at sometimes something is so obvious or so um, basic, but are you still following Jesus? Are you following religion or systems or structures or habits? Are you following Jesus, the life giver, the truth bringer? Are we fishing for people? Are we mindful of a world out there that do not know that his mercies are new every day? Today we're going to look at Jesus spoke to people, called people to be together. That's what we're going to look at as our last part of the series what does it mean to be together? What does it mean to be community? What does it mean to fellowship? What does it mean to be disciples for each other? What does it mean to be the church? And let's investigate this together. Lord, I thank you that we can be here this morning. Thank you that your word is true, powerful, and beautiful. And I pray that it may pierce our hearts. I pray that it may stir us in a way that launches us into obedience and launches us into loving you. We do this in honor of you, to worship you, to know you. And I pray may your word be preached in Jesus' name. Amen. So, where Jesus went, there were people. Okay, that sounds obvious, right? But I want you to get that. Where Jesus is, there is people. So if you don't like people, you're going to be really upset with heaven one day. If you feel people is the problem in your life, sooner or later you'll start having a problem with Jesus as well. Because where Jesus is, there is people. And in modern day, it's not a strange thing for us to find community, right? This word community. 
I just, I'm so grateful to be part of this community. You hear this in the Christian world and in the non-Christian world. You hear people joining running clubs or golf clubs or whatever saying, you know, I just like the, 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 the vibe between the people. I found my people, my tribe, whatever you want to call it. It's about finding communities. Now, I don't think there's something wrong um, in desiring to be part of a community. In fact, I think that is a very good idea, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, to be surrounded by people that are good for you. But the problem is, I think we view something, community as something we find. So winter is coming. I really like winter. It's my favorite season. Um, I like when I wake up and it's gray and it's cold. I'm like, my calendar looks like this. I can't wait until Christmas. Christmas comes. I can't wait until winter. Winter comes and it's Christmas all over again. So those are the two highlights for me in my year. Um, now many reasons. I was speaking to a bunch of friends yesterday and I just said, afternoon golf in the winter. You know, the sun is not hot. The course is beautiful. Autumn leaves everywhere. It's one of the reasons why I love winter. Now, the reason is hunting. I love hunting. And you see, when you go and hunt, um, it's not just you pitch up, you shoot any, any bucket you can find. Those of you who don't, maybe don't know anything about hunting, um, you go and find the one. It's like you look for, I'm serious. You look for the, the biggest body you can get. You look for the antlers that won't even fit on a wall. It's like you've got this, I'm looking for something that I'm hoping to find, and I will, I will spend the whole day looking for it. So I really love hunting. I love that aspect to it. But I think oftentimes we kind of see church or community exactly like that. It's like, no, that's not exactly what I was looking for. Oh, that's close, not really what I was looking for. Oh, no, cappuccinos are a bit sour. No, not that. I wasn't looking for that. Uh, people not so friendly. We kind of treat finding community like hunting season. You're looking for your trophy. I don't think that's what community is because ultimately I don't think community is found. I think community is built. Massive difference. Massive, massive difference because you might be looking for this trophy community all your life. The question is, what are you building? What are you building? Tim Keller says this. He says, everyone says they want community and friendship. But mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. <laughs> Guilty? We want that. I want to be part of something. Okay. Pitch up. Be loyal. What? Every week? <laughs> Must be there every week? When we mention accountability or commitment, people run the other way. Community is built. When I say community in this context, I mean church, friends, who we are here together. It doesn't just happen. It's not something you find. It's something you decide, I'm going to build it. I'm going to be part of it. I'm not going to just spec that. I'm going to participate. See, church hopping culture says, I will create my own. I will look for my trophy. The worship here, the sermon there, the coffee there, the parking there, the, the comfy chairs there. The, we kind of treat it almost like that. Very unhealthy. I always tell people when you're visiting, and if you're visiting this church, I hope that you feel welcome. I hope that you experience God, and I hope that you get to meet cool people along the way. But I want to ask you that if you're visiting, and if you're visiting more churches, go three, four, four, four times. 
If you're going to judge a people on a service, you're never really going to get to know people, are you? Ultimately, there's a place where we stop hopping and we start building. We start building something and we want to be part of. We start building. And how do you do that? You see a future and say, I want to start I want to get to that future, so now I have to start acting in the present. So how do we do this? How do we walk the talk with regards to being the church God has called us to be? We're going to look in Acts chapter 9, verse 23 to, 20, uh, to 31, and we're going to look at five words that this eight verses highlight for us. All right, so let's read this together. You can open up in Acts 9. It's right after the Gospels. Let's read this together. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when they had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and amongst them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So what's happening here? Two key characters I want you to see is a man named Saul and a man named Barnabas. So Saul was the persecutor of the church. He had dedicated his life to squash the Jesus movement. If you're a Christian, I'm either going to put you in jail or I'm going to have you killed. So tough guy, religious leader, Saul, bad man. Bad guy. I'm trying to think, what's that actor that always the bad guys in all the movies? Vinnie Jones. He's like always a bad guy. He never gets the good, good guy role. Anyway. Saul has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus transforms and changes his life. And now Saul's different. So Saul, not really knowing what to do with this, he starts preaching and he starts sharing what Jesus has done in his life. Yes, I know I was that person, but today I'm someone else. And this is where we find ourselves today. Saul, a new Christian, has had a radical encounter with Jesus. He's been transformed. I want you to look at verse 23. It says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. So Saul was firstly, well, previously, he was the hero to the Jews because he was the guy that was going to squash the Jesus movement. After Jesus, they want to kill him. Who's got friends like that? <laughs> what a great place to be. Saul is being wanted to be killed by his own community. And now he tries to attempt, now he, he, he goes to this new people, to the Jesus people, to oh, you guys that have been following him, and they say, mm, Saul, we're very scared. <laughs> We've heard many bad things about you. So Saul finds himself 
to saved for the secular and to secular for the saved. Do you ever find yourself maybe in a place like that? I don't really fit in here, but I don't fit in here either. I'm like caught in the crossroads. So Saul wrestles with this. He's new to Christianity. He's new to the church. He, he hears people say four E's. He has no idea what the four E's are. He's, what's connect group? I don't know. I'm still new. Saul, maybe you've been in that place before. Just don't, I, I'm new. I don't know. I, I don't fit there anymore. It seems like I'm struggling to get here. And what does Saul do? He packs his bags and he goes and starts his own ministry somewhere in the desert. No, he doesn't. Saul does something incredible and remarkable. Saul attempts to join the disciples. Say that again. Everyone just say attempts. Say it with a bit more conviction. Attempts. What does it mean to attempt? Attempt is to try. Saul tried to join these Jesus people. Some of you might think, but where's that copyright? Shouldn't the church be this welcoming, this warm, this, this, this perfect place where you say, no, come, Afuner, come, come, come. Bring your, bring your broken wing. We'll take care of you. Yes. We as the church should be very welcoming, very friendly, very hospitable. But if you're going to expect perfection in the church, then you may be placing expectation that you should have on God, on people, and that will always disappoint you. Yes, we should be welcoming. But I want you to realize the biblical pattern. You see, Saul has an encounter with Jesus. He's radically transformed. And when we find this happen in the New Testament, when people have an encounter with Jesus, what do they do? They go and they want to find someone who's like-minded. They want to be part of something. See, that need for community, right? We see it consistently in biblical pattern. If you meet Jesus, he takes you to people. It's not you and your Jesus in your room listening to Hillsong. There's place for that. It's not me and my Jesus. Me and my Christian. No. Saul gets saved, and he attempts to, to join the Jesus people. I love it, because... He doesn't have this man of God syndrome. He's not this lone ranger. He doesn't go and start his own thing. Saul attempts to join the Jesus people. And this can lead me to a lot of questions. That if you're not attempting to join, have you had an encounter with Jesus? Because when we have an encounter with Jesus, he gives us a heart for people. He doesn't make us look at critical things and judge people. He says, I want to be part of you because we're pursuing something that's perfect. And, and yes, as the church, we should be welcoming, should be friendly. But the reality is, you might be overlooked. You probably have been overlooked. And sorry for that, really. Church hurt, I think, is so sad, but it's become such an excuse not to attempt. The word attempt is so crucial because, yes, being a welcoming people does not nullify our responsibility to attempt. Because if we do not attempt ourselves, church becomes all about the personal preference of the individual. 
If it's only what these people should do for me, then church is about you and not about Jesus anymore. Are you trying? Are you attempting? Can I ask? Please try. Please attempt. The thing is with trying and attempting, you, you do it until you succeed, right? Many things in our lives we attempt, we try. We attempt, we try. Diet after diet. Um, training program after training program. I'm going to get it right somewhere. <laughs> Please attempt. Saul didn't fit in here. He didn't fit in here, but he kept attempting. The welcoming nature of who we are as Christians, of who we should be as the church, shouldn't take away the individual responsibility that you and I have to attempt to be part of the disciples. Now, this message isn't for anyone that's just joined the last three weeks. You've been saying maybe sitting here for three years, four years, five years. Attempt. But get this. So, Saul attempts. And the word teaches us they were all scared of him. Who knew us church people can be so scared, eh? We are. I remember a few years ago, I was on my way to Kenya on a mission. I was at the airport. Now, if you step into a space, like a public space like an airport, there's always this one person that sticks out, right? Not necessarily for good reasons. So this is one guy. He looks wild. Wild. Like, oh, goodness. And he's kind of standing in our queue. So, we're, so me and my friends, we're kind of like, this guy's also going either to Kenya or Ethiopia. Let's hope he's on the Ethiopia flight. All right. And um, I'm scared. Now, I'm on my way to a mission. I mean, how Christian am I? Superstar Christian. Here we go on mission. And I'm scared of the person in the airport because the mission only starts in Kenya, right? I hope that's not our theology. Our mission's everywhere. Anyway, so this guy, so lo and behold, we go through customs, check in. Okay, he's on the same flight. Oh, goodness. Lord, hear my prayer. Give me my comfort of my five hours where I can listen to music on the airplane and not have to worry about people next to me. It's a prayer that we pray, right? We start boarding. And I'm sitting here. No jokes. This is legitly the real story. I'm sitting here. An open seat. And a friend of mine who's going on the same mission trip. And lo and behold, this man enters our plane. He walks past business class, which I didn't expect him to fly business class. And he's just coming down the aisle. And I'm like thinking, oh, goodness, Lord, Lord make us invisible. <laughs> this man probably weighs 135 kilograms, dressed in a very baggy shirt and a very tight pants. Um, 27B. I was 27A. My friend was 27C. So I was fearful, I quickly said, Sir, can my friend sit next to me? So we swap, and he gets the, you may take the window seat. Look how generous we are as the church, right? You take the window seat. Anyway, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how in the world does this guy end up not only, he was supposed to sit right next to me, he's like just there. And the guy walks in, and we can smell where he was prior to the airport. Um, and very quickly, five minutes after we took off, a double Branavain um, was ordered. And he just told us he had a very rough time, so he just wants to kind of pass out for the next five hours. Um, 
It was like, what? I mean, I was 20 years old. It was like, this is insane. And now the Holy Spirit starts working on your heart. It's like, where does the mission start, Wes? When you get off in Kenya, could it be on the plane? So now you're like, ah, oh, we're going to have to talk to him, aren't we? Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> but we're scared. We're scared of those because we think somehow this person's going to influence me, or if I can put it in a, maybe in a bit dramatic sense, I just don't want to get their sin on me. Leave me in my comfortable aisle seat with something in between from the problems of the world. Now, we didn't have this, we could, you know, had a small conversation with him, just heard his story, in, like, so heartbreaking, what he's been through, was able to pray for him, but I was just like, why am I so fearful? And I just realized that it's been like that all our lives. We're scared of things we don't know. We're scared of things we do know. Fear is something that if we aren't aware of friends, it will become our second nature. Fear of rejection, fear of workplace ethics, fear of racial tensions, media propaganda, I get it. See, first we were afraid, maybe even petrified. I'm so tempted to continue with that right now. <laughs> Thinking, I can't live without you by my side. <laughs> Church, we will survive. We will. We will. So Saul, with this massive reputation, attempts to join the disciples. Now into a man called Barnabas. Barnabas took him brought him to the apostles and declared to them. So the first word I wanted us to look at is attempt. Here's word two, three, and four. Barnabas took, brought, and declared. What I love about this, it's like I can just almost imagine, like here's this disciples meeting and Saul is just kind of dancing around them, you know, trying to get an opening in the huddle. And what I love, Barnabas doesn't hope eventually Saul will get it right. If he dances outside the circle for long enough, we'll see that he kind of knows how to do it and we'll allow him in. He doesn't do that. Barnabas is intentional. He's intentional. He took, he brought, and declared. What does took mean? Took means he took him by the hand. Utmost care. Now, you cannot get close to someone... You're not willing to go there. Saul took him by the hand. He brought him. What does brought mean? He included him. He invited him to the braai. He said, hey, what are you doing for Easter weekend? Where are you having lunch? He included him into their lives, not just said, I'll see you for a, a weekly meeting for an hour. He brought him into their world. This person who was too safe for the secular, but too secular for the saved, Barnabas said, no, I'm going to bring you into my environment. Friends, we have to be intentional with everything we do. Who are you spending time with? It's like, how can I bring you into my life? Now, first step, are we inviting people to church? Are we inviting people here where it's, okay, there's there's hopefully a few more Barnabases here that could kind of meet you. Are we inviting people into our lives? Are you saying, hey, when can we, let's schedule a bride, let's schedule a kid, let's get these, let's, I'm going to get Saul into our lives. 
And then he declared. Now get this. He declared what Saul had seen, what happened to Saul, and what Saul believed and preached. How do you know that? If you, you will not know those intimate details of someone if you're not willing to get into their lives. He declared to them the testimony of spending time with Saul. Because he knew him. Hey guys, this this Saul, he believes what we believe. I've seen him preach. I've seen him live. He might not look the way you think we should look like. But man, this guy loves Jesus. He declared something different than what his former community was. The Jews were probably saying, you betrayer, you sell out, you weirdo. It took someone to declare something else for Saul to become part of the disciples. Now, if you don't know biblical history, if you don't know what the, Saul played a very, Saul becomes Paul, by the way, and Paul becomes a very important figure in the writing of the New Testament. Can you imagine if someone didn't take and bring and declare something of a soul. Would Saul then ever have become Paul? Maybe there's a soul in your life right now that's waiting for a new identity, that's waiting to walk into their calling. It's just going to take you to, de- to bring, to take and to declare something different so they will walk in their destiny, so they will move from a soul to a Paul. Friends, Jesus does it with you and I. Jesus takes us by the hand. He brings us and he declares a new identity or a new creation. What I've done for you on the cross, what my blood has done and poured over you, now pick up yourself as a new creation and walk into your destiny. If we want to walk the talk, if we want to live what we proclaim, friends, who's the soul that God's calling you to play a role in to become a Paul? Now, Barnabas, interesting enough, was also not his original name. Barnabas' name was Joseph. Now, I think one of the reasons they changed it, because that could just be confusing. Because Joseph was Jesus' dad, and it's like, Joseph, no, 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 that, not, not other Joseph. So, so I think part of it could have been that. But Barnabas means son of encouragement. Barnabas was renamed for the kind of lifestyle that he was living. Barnabas was renamed to a name that's more suiting to his character. If we had to rename you this morning, what would we call you? If we had to rename you, what would we call you? And get this, because someone stood up in an attitude of encouragement it overcame an attitude of fear, and Saul became part of their disciples. An attitude of encouragement will always overcome an attitude of fear. Maybe you're facing fear today. Maybe you're gripped with fear. Maybe fear is like facing you right now. An attitude of encouragement, an attitude of faith. I'm not saying wishful thinking or a positive mindset. I'm saying faith and encouragement will always overcome a spirit of fear. In this culture that is shaped by fake news, moaning and groaning, we need sons and daughters of encouragement that will be intentional in the way we build God's community. Come be a different voice here, friends. Be a different voice out there. Be a different voice in your connect group. Are we sons and daughters of encouragement? Are we sons and daughters 
of division and despair. What I love, the role that Barnabas plays in Saul's life. Verse 30 says, and when the brothers saw that. Do you see the progression? Saul, persecutor, gets saved, hated by the Jews, attempts to join disciples, connects with someone that's encouraging, becomes a brother. From hated to loved. From foreigner to family. The word brother is a family term. From having no community, to being stuck in the middle, to secular for the saved and to save to the secular, Paul now has a family. Paul's part of something. What I love about this, after this, so the brothers heard about it. They took him and they sent him. Now one, they did it out of protection. So don't worry, we got your back. We're going to look after you. We're going to send you in a place where there's no danger. But secondly, this is part of your calling. Do you see that once we become part of family, once we are part of community, our identity is established and our calling can be operated in. See, when we find community, when we are added to community, when we are intentionally brought into community, we don't only find people, but we find purpose. Saul didn't go and start a ministry when he was rejected by both. Saul was sent from a loving community, a protecting community, sent to say, we got your back, go for it, go and plant those churches. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you got a sense of who I am, but I actually don't know why I'm here. Are you part of community? Do you, can you honestly, authentically use the word brother or sister? It's true about me. When I found my people, I found my purpose. Friends, this isn't a new message. It shouldn't be new to us because 2,000 years ago, someone left a perfect community, came into an imperfect community, and said, I will do whatever it takes to take you and make you part of this community. Jesus was intentional. He came to build something. On this rock, I will build my church. He left comfort. He left his kingship to imperfect people. He said, I'll do what it takes. And for me, it means I'm going to lay my life. I'm going to be nailed to a cross. I'm going to pour out my blood so that I can take you by the hand. I can bring you along. And I can declare over you a new identity. We want to see a community that is God-honoring and a community that loves people. If we want to be something that's radical, let's just follow Jesus' example. Let's walk the talk. I'm a Christian, and that means I want to become like Christ. May that be our motor friends, and why we do what we do. It's not so that you may be seen, so that you can get the stage, so that you can... Have influence, friends. We are Christians because we want to become like Jesus. May that be the ultimate goal. Because in that we will glorify our Father, we will worship our Father, we will live a life mindful of the small and the big things. 
And I know this is a big group of people. There's a whole second service and there's an evening service. So it's impossible for this 900 plus community to kumbaya together every week. Friends, that's why a call to connect group is a call to family. Jesus models it with us. He had his family and then he had his intimate people. Do we see that oh, connect group again? I've been dodging it for three years and I'm like, they're still saying it? A call to connect is a call to family. And maybe it could, that person that you're connecting with could be the guy in the, in the airport. It's like, oh, not you. Anyone but you. Oftentimes, God wants to use imperfect people to show us how really imperfect we are. So maybe get you off the pedestal and say, who's on the pedestal, Jesus or you? Because everything else you can align to your preference. Think about it. I mean, your phone can literally control, you can set up your lights, your aircon, your TVs, your Wi-Fi, with it exactly to your preference. You don't have to, I mean, we don't even have to, you can eat exactly to your preference. Maybe it's good that the way we are Christians isn't exactly to your preference, but rather to His. Can we be Barnabases? Live an example of who Jesus was. Jesus being the ultimate champion. That's saying, you know, you know how much I believe in you? I'm going to die to prove it to you. Jesus being the ultimate encourager. Barnabas says, well, I'm going to pick that up. Can we be Barnabases together? I want you to look at the following questions on the screen. Question one, are you still attempting? Now, whether you've maybe been here for two weeks, or two years, or 20 years, are you still attempting to be part of this community? Still keen to meet new people, greet new people? Are you still attempting? Or have you become so numb, and so caught up in the ritual of gathering? Friends, something that we thirsted so for during lockdown. Have we become so satisfied already? It's three months into it. It's like, oh, church, now we'll go next week. Well, 18 months ago, we said, can we just meet together? Are you still attempting? Number two, who are you taking by the hand? Now, this could be someone from that world or this world. Who are you taking by the hand? So I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to get in your life. I am going to bring you, expose you, invite you, include you. I'm not, it's not easy. It's, it's, oh, would I, friends, this is the call. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we all get it right. But are you mindful? Hey, my hand's cold. That means I haven't held someone's hand in a long time. And thirdly, what are you declaring about the bride of Christ? What do you declare about this group of people? What do you declare about the church? What do you declare about who we are? Always the criticism and the shortcomings. Are we declaring what Jesus is actually declaring over his bride? See, the Bible speaks very highly of the church. Go and read. The Bible speaks very highly of the church. What are you declaring today? Maybe if you guys can just play some music. I just want us to maybe sit just for two minutes and just ponder these questions and then I'm going to pray. Um, and then we'll finish.
was actually not planning for just having a response. But I just sense that I think there is a response that is just calling for us to react in. And, and maybe today you want to respond by saying, I want to be that son of encouragement. I want to be the daughter of encouragement. I want to, it's not like I said, it's not having a positivity vibes. It's deeper than that. It's, 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 it's more authentic than that. It's not brainwashing yourself. It's actually letting the spirit of Jesus flow from within you to the world around you. It's not trying to convince yourself of thinking something different. It's being something from within because of Jesus' love, friends. If you want to respond today, just saying one thing. Lord, make me a Barnabas. Make me an encourager. Someone that is willing to be intentional with the people around me. If that's you, I want you, to, I want you just to stand and I'm going to pray for us together. Jesus, thank you that you do not expect us to do something that is that you're a model for us, that we can look at you as the perfect example of our faith, for you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray maybe for some of us that we've gotten lost a bit, we've, we've, we've taken focus off you, we may be following someone else or something else. Just as a moment, say, Jesus, today we come back and we say we want to follow you. You want to be Christ-like. Lord, and I pray that you see everyone standing here today. May we be, may you grace us with a spirit of encouragement in our hearts. That's not something we have to remind ourselves. And this doesn't mean we have to put away what's happening around us. It doesn't mean we don't have to face the real and the tough things that are happening around us. But install in us something in our hearts that your word promises will transcend all understanding. And this is a dangerous prayer, Lord, I know. But we want to be Barnabases to a world that really needs it. Thank you, Jesus, that your mercy is new for us every single day. I pray this in Jesus' name.